This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And welcome back to another episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast where it was Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael, the bye week is over. 12 straight weeks from here on out of Jets football. 11 of the 12, 1 p.m. Sunday games. So this is easily the best time of the year. The Jets have yet to be mathematically eliminated. In fact, they're only two games out of first place with the Bills losing to the Titans. And the Jets are the only team with a win in the AFC East over an, an above 500 team. So Jets still in it. We're still in it, baby. And and look, this team's expectations are fairly low. But I would say this Sunday's game is is pretty high stakes, not just because we could pass the Patriots in the division, but I just think from Zach Wilson's confidence and his development, I think he needs a, a very good bounce back game. When you look at that week two debacle, I think he just, for his own mental, I think this was always going to be kind of a good litmus test. Obviously that was a terrible game. He's had a few games since then, some great moments and some bad moments. Um, but if he can go out there and not even light the world on fire, but just, you know, not bring the Jets down like he did in week two, because let's face it, the Jets could have definitely won that game. Um, I think that'll be a, a great sign. So I'm super excited for this weekend. I know people always make those, oh, thank God it's the bye week um, jokes, but um, I'm very excited that we get this much Jets football um, for the next three months. Michael, how about you? Yeah, I'm excited to, you know, I'm, I don't know if we've ever seen 12 consecutive weeks of Jets football, you know, with the extra game and the early bye week, um, especially most of them being, one o'clock on Sunday. Cause to me, that's prototype jets football, you know, just Sunday, one o'clock late October, November, cool, crisp fall day, even into December. Um, so it's going to be fun. And even though this team is, you know, we don't expect them to compete for the playoffs or win the super bowl or anything like that. There are a lot of fun players in this team to watch who have a chance to be here for the foreseeable future. Um, a franchise quarterback who we're hoping to watch for a long time. Um, so it's going to be fun to watch this team and they are the wild seven seed in the AFC right now is only three and three. So um, it's, it's not totally impossible to keep your eye on that as well. Still have some stakes. Obviously that's not the, the goal, but you know, there's still a lot to play for. So it's, it's going to be, I'm excited to watch them continue to play. Yeah. And I think, I think the biggest story this week, Michael was uh, you pretty much single-handedly bullying uh, Woody Johnson into <laughs> making the all whites, the primary road look. Um, because we were sitting here to record our last podcast and the topic between us came up was like, have the jets ever won in that white on green look in the new unis? And the answer is yes. One time at Washington, 2019, despite it being their most worn combo. And then we were like, even with the old unis, the last time they won was like 2016. So obviously you put that tweet out there. Woody Johnson announces the jets are wearing white on green this week. All the outroar comes out. I'm going to, I'm giving you the credit. I think you really sparked the answer. I mean, obviously people were against it, but you really got the movement, um, going. 
Uh, and then yeah. now, of course, the Jets. Bullying works, everyone. Bullying yeah. works. <laughs> That's our message. I hope they wear it with the green socks, though. But yeah, the white and white. That should just be the Jets' primary road look. Give, you can throw white and green occasionally, but it's it's probably the Jets' best look. So um, thank you for that, Michael. That's uh, already a win in my <laughs> book um, for this Sunday. Um, obviously, one of the biggest stories about this this game and, and about this team in general this season is just their inability to have not even a fast start, just not a horrific start. I mean, the Jets just have not had a even mildly successful first quarter at all this season, I feels like. Um, and so I, obviously they had the bye week. Salah's talked about it. LaFleur's talked about it. Zach Wilson. They seem to have maybe put together a plan on how can this Jets offense start fast on Sunday against New England. Michael, I, I mean, uh, look, you're no coach, but you have a pretty great football mind. You're into the analytics. I mean, what are the Jets – what have they been doing in the first quarter that's clearly not working? And what do you think they need to change to maybe kind of kickstart this offense earlier? Yeah, well, I think one of the biggest things that they can do is be less predictable offensively. They run on first down in the first quarter more frequently than any other team in the league, running the ball in 71% of their first down run plays or first down plays in the first quarter. So I think that they can bounce it out more early in the game, help Wilson get into a better rhythm. And and that feels like a really cliche thing with rookie quarterbacks, like get him into a rhythm, you know, call more easy throws and stuff like that. But it actually does apply in this scenario because the Jets aren't doing that. And Zach Wilson is consistently having to make his first throws of the game on third and long, on second and long, you know, goes three now, then gets the ball back and he's down. And facing all these tough situations early in the game and then playing very aggressively throughout and not establishing that rhythm, whereas the Jets are being very run heavy in the beginning of the game, and they haven't run the ball well enough to justify that. So obviously, you know, running the ball better, just, you know, flat out run it better is going to be huge, you know, to allow them to get into more favorable third down situations. But I think they can be less predictable early in the game and bounce it out more, get him more schemed up, pre-planned throws on first down whether it's even just a screen and i know people will say oh he can't even hit those right now but look he, if, if he's not going to hit those we got bigger problems <laughs> but just call them early in the game and right. get him into a rhythm get him some more design stuff quick reads because his accuracy in under two and a half seconds this season has been near the top of the league north of 80 percent in terms of adjusted completion percentage um, but when he holds the ball longer than two and a half seconds, he's well south of 70%. That's close to the bottom of the league. Um, so that's been huge for him. So it, it sounds cliche, but I definitely think more passes on first down in the beginning of the court, in the beginning of the game, um, more quick passes, more screens just to start out. And then you could get aggressive as the game goes on. Once he establishes that rhythm, um, I think can help them get into a better start offensively. Yeah. And it's not even just passes. I mean, you mentioned it's the quick passes because it's like, okay, it seems like every time if they're not running on first down, it seems like every time Zach Wilson opens up a game, his first throw, it's always like a 10, 15 yard dig route over the middle. And it's like, can we just give him like, an, like go back to week one of the preseason against the giants where they gave him like, it was essentially like a two yards in the air pass to Corey Davis. And it, you know, picked up like eight yards or whatever on a little PA boot, like give him the easy stuff early, even if it's a gain of four, you know, for me, the guy who I think they should target on the first play of this game is Elijah Moore. Even if it's just like you said, like a quick bubble screen or a drag route or something to the flat, like just something quick and easy, even if it only picks up for, look, it shits you up in second and six, and then you can maybe run the ball or you can pass it again. I think the, the quick passing, the short stuff is, is definitely going to be a key and getting Elijah Moore involved. 
um, because he's had his, you know, we've talked about Zach Wilson and this whole offense struggling to, you know, get going, but Elijah Moore just hasn't really kicked off and, you know, depends how much you want to buy into the training camp hype or whatever, but the B reporters were talking about Elijah Moore as the easily like far and away the best player on the Jets field. Um, so the, the fact that he was showing that type of talent and it's not like these corners have been a complete garbage this year, they've actually been one of the bright spots of this team. So uh, for me, it just has to be like, yeah, those, those quick, easy passes, those screens, like you said, uh, and then especially get Elijah Moore involved, get him going. And then you, you can get that, that rhythm and that juice going with him. Uh, I think it's going to build Zach's confidence. And then those deep shots to more and to other receivers are, are going to be there um, on the flip side of things. I think this jets defense has been um, surprisingly pretty good. I mean, we've got a pretty good idea of, you know, when Salah, or I guess I should say if Salah and Joe Douglas are able to build this culture into something, you know, where the jets are contending, you can kind of see what that defense is going to be like. It's just going to be an attacking dominant defensive line, ton of pressures, ton of sacks, maybe not a ton of turnovers. Maybe teams are able to move the ball, but it's hard to score on them. It's hard to get big plays. Um, and you kind of get the, just the sense of, of what they'll look like, but it gets Atlanta. I mean, a veteran quarterback and Mac Jones is no veteran, but he certainly has one of the best coaches in his corner. Um, Matt Ryan was just able to, to pick the jets apart and you know, Bill Belichick is going to watch what the jets, what Atlanta was able to do against the jets defense and what the mistakes the jets defense were making particularly on third down. I mean, the Jets haven't been a great third down defense all year, but particularly in that Atlanta game, it just seems like if they needed 18 yards, they were getting 19 yards. If they needed three yards, they were getting four yards. I mean, the Jets just couldn't stop a nosebleed on third down. So my question to you, Michael, is what do you think went wrong in that Atlanta game? Was that just an example of a veteran quarterback um, who's played against this type of defense, just kind of knowing what to do. And it's a young defense making some mistakes or were the Jets doing some things maybe uncharacter- uncharacteristically? And how do you think um, Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick will, will look to uh, exploit that? Yeah, I, I really do think the defense was called a lot differently in this game than the first few games of the season. Um, there, there was a lot more zone blitzing in terms of, you know, really the game plan throughout the first three weeks. And I think what they want to be, is you know conservative vanilla for the most part um but then when it's time to blitz they go all out and they blitz and they man up behind it but in this game they were doing a lot of zone blitzing and we saw it come up big in the wrong spots with bryce huff getting caught allowing touchdown john franklin myers manning up against kyle pitts and and robert sala kind of defended it in the press conference and said oh we've been doing that um and you know this time didn't work so now you look like an idiot um, but they, that's not, I don't really agree with that answer by, I, I love Sal in the press conferences, but I got to disagree with this one because they did drop their defensive linemen in this game much more often than they, than they did the first few games. I believe their D linemen played um, six or seven coverage snaps in this game, which is what they had total over the first few games. And, you know, if sometimes those happen and you don't even notice it and, you know, it does work out, but to call it in the red zone on third down to call it, you know, multiple times is, you know, that was a tough spot. So they were doing a lot of that in this game where instead of, you know, just blitzing aggressively and manning up behind it, they would play soft and give huge cushions at corner and they would drop defensive linemen. And Matt Ryan as a veteran quarterback was exploiting that the entire game. And I guess maybe their thought process was, you know, with Ryan having coached against Jeff Ulbrich all, or, or Ryan having played against Jeff Ulbrich all last season, in practice you know maybe they thought they wanted to change it up that he knew that defense too much to try to catch him off guard maybe 
Um, but it wasn't a fit for, I think, the talent of this defense and what they had done well this year. Um, so I think this is the first time that I had an issue with the defensive game plan. But also, you know, it goes to the players as well. The corners had their worst game. They weren't making tackles, uh, the, those short tackles, as well as they have been breaking on those in-breaking routes, as well as they have been. Um, and then there were penalties in big spots. Safeties weren't good. Uh, so it goes both ways. Um, but I think that they need to get back to doing what they do best. And that's, you know, let the four-man rush win, play soft. And then when it's time to blitz, you go all out and blitz. Um, so we'll see how they adjust this week. Because I think they did a good job against the Patriots for the most time, for the most part in that first game. Right. It wasn't until they, you know, they had to, they got really tired, started racking up plays because the offense had two play drives that, you know, the defense started to crack a little bit. But for the most part, they kept the game within reach. Yeah, let's hop into the, the, the nitty-gritty of this matchup. Let's let's start with the schematics. And since we're talking about the Jets' D, let's open up there. Um, I thought overall they, they played pretty well. I mean, they definitely played well enough to win in that game. I remember walking out of that building feeling pretty impressed with how they played. Obviously, they had an even better game against the Titans um, in, in terms of their pass rush. But I just felt like that Pats game, they, they were on in that game. Um, obviously the, the Patriots are going to change some things up, but Mac Jones has been Mac Jones this season and he's been extremely efficient. Uh, I think, you know, and by some he's overrated. And then I think by some he's underrated. I think he is doing a perfectly good job of what they're asking him to do. You know, the, the kind of the book on him was like, okay, best case scenario, you're getting Kirk cousins, which isn't that exciting, but look if Kirk cousins in new England. That's all they really need, you know, and, and he's, he's, you know, looked the part. Um, obviously he's no Tom Brady, but he's been extremely efficient. Um, I guess you kind of mentioned how the jets play, um, defense, obviously they're a lot more vanilla and conservative and to, to be fair, solid did say at the beginning of the season, especially they were going to be pretty vanilla because, you know, you don't want to overload the young guys. You want to let them play fast or whatever. And then maybe as they grow in the scheme, it might get a little bit more complex. So maybe that was an example against Atlanta where they maybe got a little bit too complex too early for these guys and it led to more mental mistakes so i agree i think they're going to go back to more of those conservative looks um how do you think they'll, they'll try to play mac i mean do you think it's going to be a very similar game plan um as it was in week two or do you think maybe they'll try to rattle in a little bit more send more heat um kind of like they were playing tennessee where it was like they were getting natural pressure with the four-man rushes but they were not hesitant to throw those those all-out blitzes at them how do you see uh, Robert Sullen and Jeff Ulbrich scheming up uh, their Mac Jones game plan this week. Yeah, I, I think for the most part, they should play it fairly similarly to how they did last time because the pass rush was pretty good. It was creating some pressure, um, especially on the edges. Um, New England's tackles this year, Isaiah Wynn and Justin Heron, they've been uh, probably the weakest links in pass protection for them. They haven't been great in pass protection. The interior trio has been pretty good, but off the edges, they are fairly weak. And we saw Bryce Huff and Franklin Myers do some damage off the edge against them in that first game. So I feel like they can create some pressure with the four man rush. And then when third down comes along and they can throw those blitzes, but I do think they should be careful with the blitzing because one of the things that the Patriots have always done best is their screen passes to their running backs. Um, and they did get the jets a couple times in that first game. And that has been one of the biggest weaknesses of this team of this defense all year. I believe they've given up the most, if not the most, they're, they're near the top of the league in terms of receiving yards to running back. So I think they should be careful with that. Um, and for the most part, try to play them straight up, keep everything in front of them, um, make him dunk, make him dink and dunk the ball and make your tackles. Um, but if CJ Mosley doesn't play, 
then I think that changes a lot. And and we'll talk more about that matchup later. But um, if he if he doesn't play, I think maybe you can take a few more risks and try to play a little bit more aggressively because you know I I trust CJ Mosley to bust a screen a lot more than I would trust Jamie Sherwood to bust a screen and you know play the hook zone and cover the slants, cover the hooks. Um, so maybe try to make up for that and use Sherwood's athleticism and blitz more, be a little more creative. Um, but for the most part, I think the plan is fairly simple. Make them um, dump the ball off and make your tackles. That's what the Jets did against them pretty well the first time. Yeah, and I look, I, I think the game plan against Atlanta, you know, clearly didn't work. But I will say when you have a guy who's dinking and dunking as much as Mac Jones is, and look, he is still a rookie. He, he just seems confident and he seems calm. And so you, you're trying to, to throw him off. And so I think that they may go, I, I think they're going to play it mostly straight for their own sake. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me, you know, the, the benefit when you have a guy who's not really taking too many chances deep down the field is you can, you can play more aggressive. You can play more in the box. It obviously helps in the run game. Um, there's a little bit more pressure on your linebackers, but I'm thinking like, I, I know it got a lot of hate, like you were saying, but the defensive lineman dropping into coverage, I'm not saying do it six or seven times in that game. But I think when you get a young quarterback, a lot of times, I mean, it's happened to so many young Jets quarterbacks where you throw a stunt in there and you have a defensive end drop off right into coverage and the guy doesn't see him. And I think when you have a guy like Mac Jones, who's so used to checking it down, if the Jets pressure can get in his face, maybe you do run his own blitz where you drop a, a defensive lineman into coverage. I actually do think um, yeah. they could have some success with that. Yeah, I agree with you. I think last week's game plan is a lot more fit for you know this game than it was last week, I think. Right if they play the Falcons more straight up like they have, I think they would have been more successful because a lot of the big plays they made are, you know, Bryce Hall's playing 10 yards off on third down, which he very rarely, you know, did in, not just 10 yards off, but like with outside leverage, just giving him the inside, something that he didn't do too often the first few games. And, you know, Frank Meyer's dropping to coverage, something they don't do too much, but, and Matt Ryan's going to see that and he's going to exploit it. Um, but in this game, you know, against rookie quarterback, even though it's Mac Jones, who's probably been, the smartest, most well-prepared and comfortable rookie quarterback, still a rookie. And I think that is a much better time to pull these things out. But now that they put it on tape last week, it might be something that the Patriots are more prepared for. Um, But you're right. I think there is definitely going to be a very, there will be very good situations to get creative in this game. Right. And, and I think you'll be able to tell, and we'll get into like, when we talk about the paths of victory, we'll get it more into this, but I think you'll be able to tell pretty quickly uh, if the Jets are going to win this game. Um, and defensively, it's just going to be, are they getting pressure on Mac Jones? Because if they're getting pressure like they were in the Tennessee game, and look, that was a pretty ridiculous rate, but if they're in Mac Jones's face constantly, if they get an early sack, if they're able to fluster him a little bit, I, I really like the Jets' chances of, of at least keeping it close. I, I'm not going to go on the limb here and say the Jets can win this game. I, every time I do that, they lose. Um, so spoiler alert about that. But I do like the Jets' chances of at least keeping this competitive Um and uh, significantly more competitive week two uh, than week two. Um, I guess we should talk about the the reverse, the inverse, which is probably more interesting to me because Zach Wilson, to me, he's the story of this game. He doesn't have to win, but if he can have a nice bounce back performance as a rookie against Bill Belichick, he gets the opportunity that Sam Darnold never really got because in 2019, when he had his whole scene ghost game, obviously uh, Luke Falk had already played the Patriots week three. He never, he didn't play in that game. Um, so he had to wait an entire year to play Bill Belichick again. Um, and it, more than a year, it was literally week 17 of this year. So you really didn't get that, that opportunity of redemption uh, as much as he would have, uh, have wanted to. 
this time it's different. Zach Wilson gets to play Bill Belichick just a few weeks after having the worst game of his, of his professional or college career. Um, he's on the road. It's a tough place to play. But I think the biggest difference in this game for him is going to have uh, is going to be that the fact that he has Jameson Crowder, who he didn't have week two, because Bill Belichick played Zach Wilson the way that a lot of defensive coordinators have played him so far this season, which is basically saying, look, we know you can hit the deep, crazy stuff. We know you can do the Mahomes stuff. We know you're a gunslinger. You like to play hero ball. You're still playing like you're at BYU. When you have a guy who's open for five yards, who's wide open for five yards, you'll still try the guy who's who's maybe open if it's a tight window for 25 yards. That's just the type of quarterback he's been. So Bill Belichick, week two, complete opposite of how he played Sam Darnold in that seeing ghost game, although they got the same result. He played off. He played back. He Two deep safeties. He played. He knew that Zach Wilson was going to try to play hero ball and he was going to try to bait him into it. And, you know, Zach Wilson just wasn't, either wasn't taking it or wasn't doing it efficiently of taking the underneath stuff, doing everything we're talking about with Mac Jones, those quick, easy, you know, completions, keeping the drives going, taking the check downs. And I would imagine that Bill Belichick is not going to change a thing until you can prove you can beat it. He's not going to do anything about it. That's going to be his game plan. But if Zach Wilson is taking the easy check downs, he's moving the balls, he's sustaining these nice long drives. Then I think you're going to see Bill Belichick dial up the pressure. Michael, how do you kind of see Bill Belichick balancing wanting to phase Zach Wilson, hit the, the rookie quarterback versus doing what he did in week two, which is just play back and let Zach Wilson throw the ball to you. Yeah, I think you laid it out perfectly. I think there's no reason to start blitzing Wilson until he shows that he can hit these throws because the, the way that they played last game was perfect. And since then, Wilson hasn't shown anything to make the Patriots think that they should play him any differently because, you know, if the, if you're going to keep, if you're going to keep playing back and the floor is going to keep calling these long, long developing routes and running max protection with the tight ends, then you're going to, the jets are going to keep playing right into your hands. And Wilson's going to be forced into those easy throws, which he can't hit at the level that they're supposed to be hit at. So um, I think that they are going to come out and play fairly similarly, but I think, you know, knowing Belichick doesn't mean he's going to sit there and do that the whole game. He will be ready to throw the pressure if Wilson shows early in this game that he can beat it. If the Jets come out and they have a screen game that works well, if they have a quick passing game that works well, if Wilson shows he'll take the check down, guys make plays in the, in the flat and pick up extra yards and they move the ball that way, then I think Belichick will be ready to send the house and, you know, then challenge him to yeah. make plays under pressure. But at, at this point, until Wilson proves otherwise, I think you're doing him a favor by blitzing him, giving him more space, kind of, you know, maybe even making it, making it easier for him to make decisions by forcing him to get the ball out quickly. Um, you know, I, I think blitzing him is doing him a favor at this point. You got to make him drop back um, and deliver throws. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like you said, he's he's been good in the the backyard football situations. And when you throw those blitzes, as long as it's not, you know, before he's even had a chance to, to take his drop back. If, if the Jets offensive line can hold for two or three seconds and you give Zach Wilson time to create in the pocket, maybe make a, a man miss. I mean, we really haven't seen that many highlights outside of the preseason that I can, that I can really think of, of Zach Wilson making plays in the pocket. I mean, if you think of all of his highlights, the, at least the ones that are coming to mind, obviously there's some exceptions. Um, the majority of his good plays have come from him making a play, you know, getting out of the pocket and throwing a dime 40 yards down the field. Um, so if you blitz him, you give him more of those opportunities. Um, right. And especially when you man blitz him uh, and he's able to, you know, man coverage can be tough for a rookie quarterback 
Um, but I would say zone coverage is arguably harder. I think there's a little bit more to read there. There's a little bit going on between the ears. But if you're throwing a zero blitz, obviously that can be, you know, terrifying. You have to make a read really fast, but it's at least simple. It's like, okay, that's just one-on-one coverage there. And I think Zach Wilson has some faith in, in Corey Davis to throw those types of routes. We'll see how involved Denzel Mims gets. You know, I've, I've just, uh, I think they've had enough time. They've had a bye week to work him into this offense. Um, he got 10 snaps last week and he made a play. I mean, the, the two games that he's played, he's made a big play. And whether they were busted coverages or whatever, the defense has to respect it when you have a 6-3 guy who runs, a, you know, with that 4-3 speed. Um, so I, I'm curious to see how much they get Denzel Mims involved. But, I mean, the fast start is just so crucial in this game. I mean, it, if Zach can get in any sort of rhythm early on, and prove we can beat what Bill Belichick did in week two. His confidence is going to start to soar. The entire offense is going to start, you know, there's just going to be a weight lifted off this team. Um, they've had two weeks to prepare for it. I, I do like the Jets' chances. I'm curious to see exactly – Jets' chances are keeping it close. Let me throw that caveat in there again. I'm curious to see what they do, you know, in particular at the beginning of the game. Obviously, they have their scripted plays. You know, this is a really big test, not just for Zach Wilson, but for, for Michael Floor, who – you know, Saul is never going to throw into the bus, but I, I thought he just wasn't that good at week two. I really think that was his arguably his worst game of the season. Um, I just don't think, you know, as for as bad as Zach Wilson was, I don't think he helped Zach Wilson out enough. And look, obviously there are plays there to be made and it's hard to have any sort of long sustaining drives when Zach throws four interceptions in his first 10 attempts. But I think this is a really nice uh, opportunity for, for Michael floor, particularly in the first quarter during those scripted drives. There's a clear issue at the beginning of games. You struggled against this guy a few weeks ago. You had a bye week to prepare. This will be a good test for Michael Floor. Uh, and if yeah, the Jets can and, get an early touchdown, that's a, that's a nice sign. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and speaking on the floor, let me, let me ask you this. I'm curious what you think of this, of this point, because this is how I feel about the floor so far. As, as much as I think he's been a negative so far, for sure, because like you said, in the Patriots game, within those first four games specifically, because I think he did better against the Falcons and Wilson just didn't execute. You know, right. he's been a negative. But I do think, that within his struggles, he has shown the potential to be very good yes. based on the adjustments that he's made after halftime. He's really struggled with the game planning, but I think if he can do a better job with that opening script, first quarter, you know, plan coming into the game, I think through his adjustments after halftime, I think he has shown the potential to be good. Right. I think you'd obviously rather have a guy who's good at both, but if I have to choose, I'll take the guy who's good at making adjustments. I mean, how many times did the Patriots or any really any good team, you have to be able to adjust. I mean, this is just human chess. How many times have you seen the Patriots or Andy Reid with the Chiefs or any of these good teams? They're down 14 points at the start of the fourth quarter, and you're still like, oh, it's not over yet. And how many times have they proved you're right and that they've come back and won it? I mean, those second-half adjustments are so big uh, in this league, and the Jets just haven't had anybody who's done it on a, on a consistent basis. I mean, I think Gase was historically bad at it, Gase was not a bad game planner. I mean, I mean, his first drives were probably the best that I've seen watching the Jets. I mean, as consistent as far as getting points. I mean, they just every week were getting points, either field goal or touchdown. Um, and the Jets went a long time, even when they were good. Uh, Michael and I were just like going through um, watching old games from like 2010, 2011. And I, which, by even, the way, NFL Game Pass thinks it's funny to just cut out every single Jets touchdown in yeah. all the 2010 games I don't for know no reason. There's clearly a, a bias against the Jets there. Um, but if you watch that 2011 week two game against the Jaguars, the Jets get a, a opening drive touchdown and they keep talking about how like they haven't done that in forever. Um, and so even when the Jets were good, they weren't, they weren't really good at, in the opening drives. Uh, but Gase was, and it was just anything after that. He was putrid. 
Um, so for me, I agree. I'll take the guy who's, who's good at adjusting. And I think he has done things in the second half of games that have, have pointed to, like you said, like that he can adjust uh, and, and become, you know, a, a, a good play caller because he's a rookie too. He doesn't get enough slack for that. But I will say if the Jets come out completely deflated again, um, that's an indictment on him. I mean, that really is. He's had two weeks. He's matched up with this guy before and he didn't have a great game. And it's like, you're, you're talking a lot about how they're going to fix it. They've, they've made these changes. They've done a deep dive. Um, this is a big opportunity for Michael Floor. Right. But, but can you think of the last time that the Jets have had a game like these previous three in which they really came to life in the second half the way they did against the Panthers, against the Titans, and even the Falcons? It's, it's hard to find those throughout the Gates era. And even back to, you know, oh, it, it's, it's um, a, the Bulls era. It's not something they've done well. So I think if no. LaFleur can get, you know, the opening part of this down, I think he has the ability to be very good. So in this right. Patriots game, if they can come out with a really good script, I would like to see them get the ball first, honestly. And oh, if, if they, they can come out with a good script and like, you know, you got your screens, you're catching them in the wrong spots and those are productive, hit some quick slants, a productive drive then I would feel very good about them winning that game. And it would be a great way to start off this post by week stretch and show some legitimate growth from the floor. Look, if they had an okay first half against Carolina and Atlanta, they'd be three and two. I mean, that that's just, uh, I mean, they've been so bad in these first halves and then they've had these bounce back second halves. I agree. It's a nice sign. And I think it's also a good sign for, for coach Sala. This team doesn't roll over. And like you said, particularly in the, the bulls and gay era, it's just like, Jets go down by two touchdowns. That's it. I mean, you can just you pack it up and leave. And the Jets clearly just didn't show that same fight. They would be punting on, on fourth down in opponent territory. I don't think you're going to see that as much with Robert Saul. And you could just see it from how the defense plays, even in the uh, New England game and to a lesser extent, the Denver game, when it was clear the Jets were pretty much out of it. I mean, you just saw how hard a guy like CJ Mosey was still playing. And I think that kind of radiated across the defense. And the offense, like you said, has, has done a, a better job of bouncing back. It, it's a nice sign. I think he understands how to set a defense up. You know, I think he's, he's good at lulling a defense um, into a trap. I think he's, he's shown the ability to do that, take advantage of a, of a defense's weakness. But that game planning side of things, getting Zach in a rhythm, doing a lot of the simple, easy things just haven't been there. Um, and obviously, this is, it's, it's hard to run this offense when you don't have a, a single capable tight end. I mean, that, that's the truth of the matter. And, and so I am, I'm curious to see how much better this offense, I mean, I think it's going to get better, especially as Wilson gets more comfortable, but I, I mean, how good can this offense be if you're running 12 personnel as much as you're running and the Jets don't have a, a single tight end that deserves to be on the field. I mean, it, it, with Tyler Croft injured, when Croft comes back, okay, it makes more sense. West goes a, a fine fullback, I guess, but unless they make a move or unless a guy like Yaboa steps up, it's like, this offense isn't going to fulfill its potential if you're consistently running 12 personnel as much as they're running. But the problem is it's the basis of the offense. And this is the system and scheme they're trying to install for not just this year, but for hopefully a decade. I mean, this is supposed to be the, the foundation of this team. And it's just mystifying right. that they didn't bring in a tight end of the off season, but yeah. legit tight end. And, and, and they've made, created this problem. That's a big problem, the off season and not addressing it, but there are better ways to work around it right now. And, and like you said, I do think a shift closer to 11 away from 12 to, you know, a small extent, five to 10% more 11 personnel makes sense. But at the same time, like you said, this is the basis of this offense. This is what he's trying to instill long-term. And it is a scheme that can work and be successful when you have the talent to run it. 
but uh, Vitor wrote a really good article at Jets X Factor kind of touching on this topic and how, you know, it's kind of less so right now about playing more 11 personnel and less 12 and less about that and more about what they're doing with those two packages. Cause right now they use them in a very predictable way. They have the highest pass rate out of 11 personnel in the league. And then conversely, their 12 personnel, you know, all that first down running that I was talking about earlier, it's largely out of that package. So um, they're being very predictable between the two packages. So I think they could help their, and like Vitor discusses really well in this article and uses examples of what the Packers have done um, in a similar way um, is you can run the ball successfully with 11 personnel. If you can use the threat of pre-snap motion and orbit motion, jet motion, stuff like that to get the defense moving and create those angles, you know, naturally through that rather than, you know, 12 personnel, obviously you have more meat in there, more blockers, more gaps, but you can run the ball successfully from a lighter look and they're not doing a ton of that. It's, you know, 11 personnel were passing 12 personnel were running, you know, for the most part to a league leading sort of rate. Um, And that's very predictable. It's easy to stop. And um, that's how they're getting into these first half holes. And then the second half comes around. Uh, and they mix and they he has done a better job of mixing it up um, and finding rhythm there. But early part of the game, as much as it's about, you know, playing more 11 and less 12, it's just about, you know, run the ball out of 11 sometimes, you know, use Elijah Moore in jet sweeps, then use the threat of that to run with 11 personnel against a lighter front. And then even 12 personnel, no one wants to see these tight ends get the ball, but sometimes it would be nice to try to just establish that as a threat, just as something that you might do. So teams have to respect it. Um, and, and you don't even have to throw to the tight ends out of 12 personnel. It's just throwing in general, calling passes out of that. So they could be better at balancing what they do with both both personnel sets. And I think another thing is, is when you're in 12 personnel, I mean, pretty much every single time you're under center. And in the passing game in particular, you know, because obviously the tight ends are, are a negative in the run game. Um, but when the Jets try to pass, I think Zach Wilson, you've talked about this, is he's been pretty brutal in play action this year, yeah. which is kind of expected for, for a rookie. But when you're going play action under center, your quarterback has to turn his back to the defense for at least a second or two. And then by the time he turns around, I think he's he's uh, he just hasn't been as comfortable as he was doing that at BYU. And I think it was something in his in his. Uh, you know, draft profile is like, this is a guy who can play with his back to the defense. And I think he's going to get there and it's important to keep giving him these reps because if you want to succeed in this offense, he has to get better at it. But I think they should try to, like you're saying, I mean, if they can run the ball at 11 personnel, if they can go, I get play action as the basis of this offense, but maybe use more shotgun play action snaps. So Zach Wilson doesn't have to turn his back to the defense. I think those are some of the the minor adjustments. I think that the Jets are kind of balancing the win now perspective versus the long view. And I think they're for right now, they're pretty much always opting for the long view and in the long view, it, you have to make the, the judgment. I think it's probably better for Zach Wilson to get his confidence going. And so I think they need to make those changes, but they're not going to completely abandon it because this is, they're installing a scheme. They're installing a system. And I think that system may become more moldable as they get, is there, you know, more in a win now type of mode. But right now it's like, they want Zach Wilson to be running the offense that they plan to be running. And it's like, like you said, they're not going to ever change anything all completely in the middle of a season. And they're not going to get completely away from 12 personnel, but they have to make some minor changes for the current day, Zach Wilson um, to, you know, give him a bit of a cushion. Like Mac Jones is not having to do what Zach Wilson's having to do. I mean, they've just completely, they have no leash on Zach Wilson for the most part. They're just letting him play the offense. And that is going to have, 
that's going to have some gains down the line, but it's also possible if you just let him out there with no bubble wrap, he's going to get some scars. So you have to protect him a little bit more. And I think, I think you're going to see the jets do that uh, in this game. When you look at the key matchups, I mean, the biggest one is, and while recording this, the injury report came out, which says CJ Mosley's doubtful, which is a, not a good thing for this jets defense. Um, and really, you know, if I was in Vegas, the spreads right now should be, the spread should be getting uh, further apart for the Patriots because the Jets linebackers versus Mac Jones and his dink and dunk offense and throwing to the running backs and covering tight ends. I mean, this game is going to come down to that Jets linebackers versus Mac Jones. Um, and with no CJ Mosley out there, you're going to see Jamie and Sherwood. I just, I don't love the Jets chances there, but Hey, if Quincy Williams, Jamie and Sherwood can rise to the occasion, I, I, I think the Jets are in an okay spot. How do you think, assuming CJ Mosley's out with that doubtful report, um, which, by the way, might be the smart thing. We obviously saw how he dealt with a, a soft tissue injury in 2019. You don't want to aggravate anything. Um, and you give, yeah, you give Jamie and Sherwood some, some valuable reps. How do you think the Jets can try to compensate for, for not having CJ Mosley out there? Yeah, this is definitely a huge loss. I think it changes things quite a bit because you think about that Pats game and the defense playing well, Mosley was the main part of that with the way he was tackling underneath. So it's a pretty big loss. But like we were, like I was talking about earlier, I think this kind of gives them an opportunity to be a little bit more creative because I think the simpler stuff, the vanilla stuff is going to be more difficult without Mosley out there because do I think Jamie and Sherwood can bust up a screen as well as Mosley can? No. Do I think he can feel out routes and zone coverage, be where he needs to be to prevent a pass from getting zipped over his head? No. So I think this is, I'm, I'm just being frank. I mean, you would agree with that, right? Yeah. I'm, absolutely. I'm just, I'm just putting it in, in that way, which makes it seem like I'm dumping on him, but I'm just being honest. But I think this now is an opportunity to maybe be a little more creative and do some of the things you said, expand on that game plan that you had against the Falcons and maybe be a little more creative and challenge Mac Jones to decipher some of these things, to see some more creative blitzes, to throw under pressure more often, um, to get the ball out quicker. Um, because, because I trust these cornerbacks to make tackles, that's for sure. So if I have to sacrifice, um, you know, say Sherwood blitzes frequently in this game, say he blitzes at least 10 times. Um, and then now the pressure is on your corners to make tackles. Like that's something that I think I would feel good about because they've been tackling well. Um, so I think it does give them an opportunity to be a little bit more creative, but no matter how you slice it, it's definitely a blow. And I think we'll see without CJ Mosley on the field, um, this game, you know, if he doesn't play, um, will give us the, a great look at how valuable he really is. Yeah. And I think, I believe Marcus May is returning for this game. If I'm not mistaken. Right? Yeah. He's back. He's yeah. out. He's I, I think practice. that, that helps, um, tremendously as well to have a veteran out there and I know Marcus isn't the most popular among Jets fans right now but he is still a very good veteran safety he's gonna have to have a bigger role uh in this game so maybe you're right maybe they do get a little bit more aggressive um you know trying to attack how the Patriots have been coddling Mac Jones I think on the other side of things Jamison Crowder versus the Pat Slot corner Jonathan Jones is a big matchup uh like I said I think Berrios is a fine returner and he's but he's a jag I mean he's just you can catch the ball. He's an okay route runner, but Crowder is a severely underrated route runner. He's good after the catch and he's unbelievably reliable for, for a young quarterback with his hands. He doesn't drop much. Um, and I think that's big because they're going to have to try to get the underneath stuff going. And Crowder is going to be a big part of that. You know, those, those little five yard routes, those stuff, the stuff over the middle, the pivot routes, the outs, just stuff that he didn't have week two. I think, I think Crowder is just 
so big for a young quarterback. You know, a nice tight end is obviously a great safety valve, but the next best thing is a guy like Crowder in the slot. Um, so that matchup for me, if, if Crowder's doing his job and he's starting to have a big game, um, I like Zach Wilson's chances of, of not repeating week two and putting up a respectable performance. I don't feel as good with CJ Moziad about the Jets defense now, but I still think I, I kind of feel a bounce back game in coming for Zach Wilson. Michael, how do you think, uh, how big is Crowder on, on this game? Do you think? Yeah, that's huge for sure. And really just not in this game in general, you look at the difference when he's been playing and when he hasn't, it's been a sizable difference. Just look at this year, the first uh, three games, they don't have them. They score 20 points in total. He comes back and they go over 20 or at least 20 in both of the games that he's there. So, uh, and it was the same thing last year. So he has a huge impact just because of the versatility of different things he can do. Um, I, and I think he's a better catcher of the ball than Barrios. Barrios is a body catcher and that leads to him not being able to make, you know, to go up and get a contested ball because he just doesn't really catch it with his hands. Um, whereas Crowder can do that and he can make tough contested catches like he made uh, in the red zone in that Titans game, the touchdown where, you know, Wilson threw it really hard, but it was a tough catch kind of behind Crowder and he made it. Uh, I don't think Barrios makes that play. So Crowder brings a lot more to the table than Barrios does, which is why I think they should keep him for the rest of the season to help out Zach Wilson and then evaluate after the season. Maybe you, you know, Denzel Mims doesn't play out. You re-sign Crowder and you have your starting trio next year with Crowder, Moore, and Davis. But looking at this game in particular, yeah, that game against uh, – that matchup against Jonathan Jones is going to be a big one, who is their primary slot corner. Um, he's been – Fairly susceptible in the slot this year. 1.8 yards per cover snap allowed out of the slot, which is very high. Um, so this is an opportunity for Crowder to be successful um, and provide Wilson with not just a safety blanket, but also an explosive option because he can do that as well. We saw the huge touchdown he had against the Patriots last year, um, at the 20-plus yard in the back of the end zone. So um, it's, it's huge to have Crowder. It's, it's a big boost compared to the last game. Um, because in that game, you know, Barrios was playing a lot. And even though Barrios isn't necessarily a drop machine, I think the impact, the difference between him and Crowder is, is kind of hidden and you're just not really seeing it as much. It's not that Barrios is a bad route runner, but it's just, he doesn't offer that ability to be a threat down the field. Whereas Crowder can do that. And even in the underneath range, Barrios is solid, but I feel like Crowder's really good at separating underneath on whether it's a whip route a slant um anything like that i think crowder is very good at that so you know barrios may not be dropping every single pass although he does drop a decent amount but i think where the value is lost is crowder's just providing an option and being a threat throughout the game and that creates more space for others it creates more options for the quarterback um so it's huge that's definitely even though mosley's out to have crowder Whereas when you didn't have him in the first game and to have Keelan Cole as well, just for added depth is uh, the offense is definitely more well-equipped right. than it was last time. I've seen some people float the idea, like even though Crowder has been such a big boost to this offense um, that the Jets would trade him or play him less large part being look, Elijah Moore, you're trying to get him involved. This is a guy who was known as one of, if not the best slot receiver in all of college football. And obviously he has the potential to be more than that, to be an outside guy, but there's nothing wrong with being in a, a very good slot receiver as a rookie and then moving outside. Like this is something that, you know, Tyler Lockett did in Seattle. Do you think the jets need to give more slot reps to, to Elijah Moore and maybe cut Crowder's usage because you can't really put him outside? 
No, I don't agree with the the take that Elijah Moore should get more slot reps. I think he's being used pretty other than he needs to get more, you know, manufactured touches. I don't really think uh, that's definitely something that needs to happen, but I think he's getting used the right way right now. He's open for huge, huge plays and they're Wilson's just not making the throws or Greg Van Roten's getting beat and ruining the opportunity to get the ball there. That's what's been on film this year. So um, it, it's not like he's never in the slot. He does right now. He has been in the slot for 29% of his snaps, which I think is good versatility. You know, he's outside most of the time and he's creating explosive opportunities, but he's in the slot a decent amount as well. I think he needs to be featured more on those end arounds, jet sweeps, screens, stuff like that. But right. I don't think he needs to be in the slot that much more. And another important thing is that even though, you know, 71% of his snaps are quote unquote outside, he's playing the outside receiver, but the jets run one of the tightest offenses in the league in terms of how spread out their furthest players are. So he's not outside the numbers very rarely. He's usually, you know, he's outside receiver, but he's still in space where he can have, space for a two-way go as if he were in the slot he's just the outermost guy so I don't really think that he should be you can argue that maybe for now he should run fewer long developing routes while Zach Wilson kind of eases in but he is open on these plays for 30 40 yard gains right very consistently so I think they just Wilson has to get do a better job getting the ball to him I think more has been used pretty well other than not okay. getting more manufactured touches the guy had actually i agree with that i mean I, I could see giving him some more slot reps i mean it'll be curious i don't crowder probably won't be back next year not to look at things from a next year perspective but it's likely crowder won't be brought back uh next year we'll see you never know uh, i'm curious what the jets do there do they rely on more playing more in the slot the guy that i would actually be very curious to see play more in the slot and i think i've seen this floated out um, is Corey Davis and not as much maybe this year because they don't have the the depth, but if the jets are able to bring in another explosive, I don't want to say elite, but a, a big time receiver and you can keep more in that Z spot, you can put Davis in the slot as a, as a bigger slot for Zach Wilson. I think Davis is a guy long-term here who might have a lot of success, you know, in the slot for this jets offense right now, they don't have the versatility to do that, but I will say the personnel group that we've, I don't think, I don't think we've even seen it all season is the, Denzel Mims, Corey Davis, and Elijah Moore trio. And I'm not saying that has to be run more than five times a game, but I would just like to see the three of those out there at the same time. Um, and I, I just, I believe it gives um, the Jets, you know, a, a different type of receiver, three different types of receivers that can really, you know, exploit a defense. Yeah, I, um, I agree with that. And, and it doesn't even have to be that much of the game. Like you said, five plays is perfectly fine. So, so I agree with toward that, the like, red zone. Yeah, exactly. In the red zone, I think where Mims and Davis helps you with run blocking, you keep your run threat and you still have two big bodied guys. But, you know, I agree with that. Like, are there situations where moving more into the slot in an 11 personnel look, you put Mims out there is really intriguing. Yeah. But do I think that more should be the full time slot guy? So Mims and Davis can start on the outside. I don't think so. I think there are ways where I think that's what his versatility gives you. For most of the game, he can play outside, be an explosive play threat, which he is. But there are situations where he can kick inside, Mims can come in, or he takes a rest, Crowder goes into the slot, Mims comes in. Um, they have a lot of different options, and I feel like they can do a better job of exploring those, particularly with Mims involved. All right, Michael, let's get to it. How do the Jets win this game? 
what's what is their path to victory if if we're if we turn on this game at one o'clock and we see these things happening um that should be a pretty good sign of of, of the jets winning what is their path um their slim path uh, to winning on sunday well, I'm going to go back to what I said about LaFleur. I feel like we're going to get a pretty quick look and not to, you know, be that short-sighted because, you know, who's to say they can't come out on their second drive and start playing well, third drive. Um, although we're just not used to that at all because the entire first half has been bad. There has been no in-between, but I do feel like that we are going to get a good indication from, if not just the first drive, the first couple drives, because I think the biggest thing holding this team back so far has been, the first half play of Zach Wilson, the game planning offensively and the ability to get off to these starts and against a coach like Bill Belichick, who is, you know, the toughest to be in the league in terms of the chess match. Um, if you're going to, if they're going to come out and they're not going to, if they're, if they're going to come out and clearly be overmatched from the start, then, you know, maybe they'll adjust a little bit later and make it closer as they have been doing. But if they're going to win this game because they are going to be deserved big underdogs on the road in a tough environment against a team that blew them out without CJ Mosley, then they're going to have to show from the jump that they have a good plan, that they're in rhythm, they're in sync, and they can get out to a lead and then play football throughout the game instead of having to play catch up. So that's what I'm looking at. I think we're going to get a good feel very quickly for whether or not the Jets can compete in this game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I actually do think, you know, I guess it's a, as good a time as any to get into the prediction side of things. I think this game is going to be, in some ways, the inverse of week two, where I actually think the offense is going to play well enough to win. I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to be lights out, but I think the offense is going to put up, you know, 24 points or something like that. I think the offense is going to put together maybe 20 points, you know, like a respectable uh, performance. Uh, I think the defense is just going to really struggle without CJ Mosley. I mean, if the, if the jets win, I think their offense is going to look co- competitive. I'm not saying they're going to light the world on fire, but they're at least going to, you know, get a few touchdown drives in there. Um, and the defense is just going to have to be lights out. I mean, as far as getting after Mac Jones, if they can have the type of, of game they had against Tennessee, where they're really just, I mean, Tennessee just couldn't block them. If they're having that type of game where they're just constantly in Mac Jones's face, then I like their chances with or without CJ Mosley. They may get some big plays, but I think if they can rattle Mac Jones like that, maybe they'll be able to get, you know, more turnovers. They've had some good fumble luck, but they really haven't forced many interceptions. Bryce Hall has been close in a few of them. Um, but if the pressure is there, I feel those interceptions are going to come. Um, but with no CJ Mosley and the Patriots are pretty consistently, um, have all, you know, even with a pocket passer the last 20 some odd years, pretty consistently been pretty good in, in pass protection. Um so that I think it's going to be the inverse of week two where the offense plays all right, but the defense um, is just getting eaten alive for the most part, dinks and dunks and a lot of points. Um, and the story will be like, wow, the Jets need CJ Mosley to be competitive. Um, so that's my prediction as far as score go. Well, actually, Michael, what is your prediction for uh, as the game goes? And then we'll, I guess, give a score at the end there, but your prediction on maybe something about the game, who will play well, who won't just your overall thoughts on, on what will happen on Sunday. I'm going to go with, I feel like I've been saying this every single week. This will be the Elijah Moore breakout game. He'll finally, I think not to an extremely explosive extent, but I think he'll finally put up uh, a game where it's like, you know, he impacted that game because he hasn't had one of those yet. There was his two first downs this year and both of them were against New England. One of those was a wide open drawn up play that Wilson, there should have been touchdown, but Wilson didn't throw it well, Um, which again, isn't Elijah Moore's fault. He's been running very good routes this year, but 
I will go with a strong Elijah Moore performance of six catches for 70 yards and at least three first downs. And then what about the score? Score prediction, I will go with – I can't predict a Jets win in this one. I'm going to go with New England seven. New England 27, Jets 16. I'm going to go Jets uh, – well, I have New England winning. I'm just trying to think of – I think it's going to be like New England 34. We have a much better record of predictions if we were just honest with ourselves and predicted the Jets to get blown out every single week. That wouldn't be all. I've thought – I mean, look, I I felt the Jets could have beaten the Patriots week two. They clearly play well enough. Zach Wilson didn't. I think Carolina and Atlanta were both winnable games. They just had slow starts. So I think the only game we were honest with ourselves was Denver. We just were kind of honest that the Jets were going to get – Well, and then also, I mean, Tennessee was the – I think – I predict a loss there and then they won. So, you know, maybe predicting a loss isn't so bad. I think New England puts on a good amount of points. I think it's going to be like 31 17 or something like that, or 34 21. I mean, something like that. It's going to be a size of 31 17. I like that. Two touchdowns for the Jets. The offense looks respectable. It's close enough, but the Patriots pull away uh, and the defense just really can't stop anything. Maybe, maybe, you know what? 30 31 21. I'll give the Jets three touchdowns. Um, Anyways, I think that's going to do it for us. I think we've, we've covered that all. I'm, I'm pretty excited about this game, Michael. I am, you know, the bye week yeah. really, uh, really brings that out of me. I'm, I'm recharged and refreshed, ready for 12 straight weeks uh, of Jets football. Um, I'm not saying that they're going to win, but I'm just excited to see how, how this team responds. And you're, you're right. I mean, the first drive for the offense is going to be a big one for me. If, they, if the Jets go down there, I'll, make the, I'll say this right now. If the Jets open up and score a touchdown on their opening drive, they're winning this game. I'll say that right now. If they if they go That's down the field, and they I score, agree. I agree. They're winning this game. That'll set the tempo. That'll that'll really, you know, put their money where their mouth is. I mean, the Corey Davis said that quote earlier this week, where he was like kind of coy, but basically saying that that the Jets are ready. It was it was about as close to trash talk as you can get. He didn't give him bulletin board material, but he basically said that that the Jets are ready. Um, if they go down there and do that, I, I have a win. I have them winning, but I just, I don't see it. I don't, until they prove me otherwise, I think this is a bad first quarter team, but we'll see. Um, I say they get three points in the first quarter, but that doesn't meld with my prediction at all of 21 points, but whatever. Um, you can follow us at CYJ pod on Twitter, Michael, Michael underscore Nania, myself, at Ben W. Blessington. Go to jetsxfactor.com for the best place to go for Jets content. Our podcast is there as well, but plenty of others um that's gonna do it for us michael last words um this is always interesting you always say that it doesn't really put me in the best it doesn't set me up too well like i'm supposed to just dig in and find some random thought yeah to leave people off well, with no, it could be it could be about anything it doesn't have to be um, about the jets well we were talking about this before the podcast that um and you kind of brought it up early but the green socks with uh, white on white uniform, I think, is a great road look. They've only worn against... it once. Yeah, only in the new uniforms, only once. Oh, but I guess it was the uh, preseason with game. the with the previous uniforms, um, the old uniforms. They did do it pretty consistently. It's a nice look, I think, for the road, especially. Well, the, the all white in the old uniforms, they pretty much exclusively wore with white the white striped socks but then if you go early 2000s like curtis martin Vinny testaverde they'd wear all white with the green socks and for some reason that look reminds me of the uh the 2000s look i uh i agree with you i mean this is so stupid but i'm excited they're going white on white i hope they wear the green socks they've only worn it once it's a it's among the jets better looks we can we can get rid of the white on green wear it like once or twice a season but we've seen it enough 
it all looks right. like we're gonna get the all black for the Bengals too yeah we, we should um halloween they're, they're giving out a stealth black rally towel and then then we'll see what they do against indy i would like to see white on on black i'd like to see that but if they're wearing black the week before maybe that won't happen but uh we'll cross that bridge when we get there uh thank you for listening everybody have a great weekend go jets we'll be back on monday